Mrs. Kim's husband was killed by the North Korean government. Then she was put in prison by North Korean officials. But Mrs. Kim knows that she can make it through such dark times by keeping her eyes focused on Jesus. Christ has died for me on the cross, and on the cross, if he was able to bear that pain, like I can, I can survive. I, I'm not crucified, and my pain is nothing compared to his. And so just remembering Christ's um, suffering for me really helped. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we are back again this week on the road in Seoul, South Korea, meeting with some of our brothers and sisters who have come from the land of North Korea, uh, probably the most closed, most hostile country on planet Earth as far as people who are followers of Christ. Uh, and what an amazing privilege to be able to hear some of their stories and uh, just fellowship with them and, and encourage them and be encouraged by their stories. Mrs. Kim, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Uh, he says, welcome to you too. Thank you, for, thank you for inviting me. It is our privilege and our honor to have you here. When did you first hear the name of Jesus Christ? Some politician from South Korea came to meet North Korean officials, and she was a Catholic, and so... I only heard the name Jesus Christ at the end of her prayer through TV. I had never heard this name Jesus Christ before then, but I had heard about God before through my mother. So your mother was a Christian before the war? I remember um, pulling out pictures from her closet. There were three photographs. So I was 10, 10 at that time, and I had found those pictures in my mom's closet. My mother said one is grandmother, grandfather on my mother's side, and then the other person was my grandmother on my father's side. Because I was young and I just asked the obvious question, then where is my grandfather? There was only three photos, so my grandfather was missing because he was involved with the independence movement, so didn't have a photo of him. But at that time also what I saw was that all the photos were cut across the chest, and it turns out to be that they were all wearing crosses, and so those photos have been cut so that they couldn't see the crosses. I kept asking questions and my mother told me not to say a word about it and to to keep it a secret because they had always been a Christian family. But under Kim Il-sung, it was supposed to be a secret. And only when I heard the name Jesus Christ through the prayer from the politician on TV, I had remembered the name Jesus Christ. And then later on, I went to China when I was 37. 
So I had gone to my relative's house in China at that time, and there was a cross in their house too, and I was sleeping, and in the middle of in early morning, I heard the same phrase, pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, I remembered what the politician had said, so it was the same phrase. So I had realized that where I was, that relative's home was a Christian home. And so I'd run out and it's my relatives on my mother's side and early morning they were all gone for morning prayer. And so I had heard that I ran out and I, I started asking questions like, what is the cross? What, what does that mean? They're saying like, how can you not know about Christ, like the cross, and so it was a big deal to them, and I, of course, would not know because I had been educated under the Juche ideology. So when you went to China to visit relatives, were you thinking that you would stay with them and leave North Korea forever, or did you think you would visit them and then return to North Korea? I had actually received my passport and permission to visit my relatives, so I had planned to visit them for three months. So when did you decide to leave North Korea permanently, and, and why did you decide to leave forever? So it was during the three months I kept hearing news from the surrounding countries, other countries, North Korea, South Korea, U.S. Um, that's when I realized that the situation in North Korea and that other countries were actually doing pretty well and it was North Korea that had um, was in difficult situation. So that's when I realized that going back was not a good idea. While you were inside North Korea, you were told that all of the countries were having a hard time, that, that it, people were hungry everywhere. So the, we would only hear about like countries like Laos and Mongolia where people actually are not too well off. So only those news would come through the, the media in North Korea. Was it while you were staying with your relatives in China that you became a believer, that you put your faith in Christ, or did that happen afterward? It was not during the three months I was there. It was later on when I defected from North Korea. I was in China after that for eight years. That's when I came to believe in Jesus. My relatives in in China had asked me, does your mother still pray? Because all of them are believers. And so I had to, I told them that, you know, it's very dangerous to do that in North Korea because there are movies, propaganda, things like that, telling us that um, if you believe in Jesus, you perish. But if you're with Kim Il Song, you will um, succeed. What was it that convinced you that the gospel, Jesus, was real and Kim Il Sung was not, was not the answer? And I realized that the North Korean government was lying to the people and that it's not true. And also, um, after I defected from North Korea, for the whole year, all I did was I read the, the Bible. Wow. Did you have legal status there? Like it was okay with the Chinese government that you were there? 
or were you hiding from the Chinese government so that you wouldn't get sent home? Although I registered, I registered with the Chinese government, different name, different ID, and even though I was officially registered, I still lived in hiding. From the Chinese officials or from North Korean police? It's the Chinese police that I was hiding from. And it's not necessarily like hiding um, in the city. I actually went to live in a remote area near the mountains so that I wouldn't be caught. Because they all know that, they all know who's escaped from North Korea. They know where I am. And once the Chinese police arrest you, they send you directly to North Korea. So I, I lived in hiding from the Chinese police. Now... What family, other than her mother, did was she married in North Korea? Did she leave a husband back there and children or no? I was married in North Korea. I have two sons and one daughter. And I, I was born in North Korea, but my other sisters, my sisters were born in China. So the sons and the daughter and the husband, did they also leave North Korea or are they still there? So all five of my immediate family, my three children and my husband and I, we we defected all together into China. But after a year in China, my husband was arrested and sent back to North Korea. And at that time, it was a huge deal with the UN regarding um, human rights and stuff. So they weren't able to publicly execute him. So they executed him um, secretly and he he died after a year after the fiction. But she heard about the fact that he had been executed, even though it wasn't public. Usually, they wouldn't. We wouldn't know anything about the those secret like executions. But my relatives and people we know are in high positions in the government. So through them, I was no, notified of the execution. So. How did you survive for eight years in China? Like, what did you do for a job or to to get food? So during the summer, I would do farming. And then during the winter, I would go out into the city to take care of sick people, old people. I couldn't stay with one one family for a long time because once they know that I'm North Korean, they would turn me in. So I would move from one family to the next two or three families in six months as a caregiver. After six years, um, I was actually captured and I was sent back to North Korea. The reason why I was sent back to North Korea was actually not because I did anything wrong. There was something that happened around that time where a family, a Chinese family was murdered by these 20-year-olds. But with the Chinese family, there was a North Korean cook. And so she had told the police that oh, the, the robbers were in their 20s. And so... They assumed that it was my sons, so they first came to find me and my family. So they they kept demanding me to tell them where my sons are, and so I refused to tell them. So they they beat they beat me, and I was in very bad situation when I was sent back to North Korea. But it turns out 
the people who the 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 people who had murdered that Han Chinese family was actually a Han Chinese person. But a lot of times, those crimes are usually blamed upon North Koreans. So, so it had turned out to be someone else, not my children. But I was still sent back to North Korea. So. What happened when you got back to North Korea? Did they arrest you or and interrogate you? 감옥 생활을 했지. 감옥 두 달. Usually, the first time you are sent back to North Korea after the first defection, they're usually quite lenient. So it, the punishment is not severe. So after two months, I was released. Did they ask you anything about? Christians or church in China when you went back to North Korea? Did they interrogate you about any Christian activities? They they didn't ask me anything about that because if I were to say anything about uh, that I believe in God, they would send me to the prison for political criminals. But they never asked anything about it. In the two months in prison, there was a person next to me who would ask me, "Are you praying?" Because I would have my hands together, and that also means that that person knows something about Christianity as well. And so I would ask them, like, "What is prayer?" I would ask them, and they would be quiet about it. So because it's very dangerous, we didn't say anything about it, and they didn't ask anything about it. And during the six years, like I said, the first year I didn't go to church, but for five years I attended church. And just remembering, hearing about um, Christ being crucified, and just remembering those things and praying in turn, like on my own at the um, prison, but nobody else would know about that. Were there any particular scripture verses or sermons that you had heard? That you that strengthened you during those two months in prison. Just the idea that Christ has died for me on the cross, and on the cross, if He was able to bear that pain, like I'm not crucified, and my pain is nothing compared to His, and so just remembering Christ's um, suffering for me really helped. And so after two months you were released, then how long did it take you to get back to China? So I was released in... So just a little, little over two months, I defected once more. Did you cross the river on your own? Did you have a, a broker or a guide that was helping you? Or how did you how did you make the trip? I paid a broker to to help me defect. Because I had two sons in China who were able to support me, and so with that money, I paid a broker to mm. defect. Did you ever go back to North Korea after that, or that that was the last time you left? <laughs> I was captured. I was actually sent back to North Korea one more time. Just 20 days after I defected, I was on my way to South Korea, and I was captured and sent back. Was the treatment more harsh the second time you were rearrested? Mm, it's, it's a lot harsher. The punishment is a lot more severe, and it's not just me, but my family altogether. And usually people 
like that we were sent to like an island to live on our own. 그래서 나는 항상 간증할 때면 정말 every time I share the story it's, it's a testimony of God's miracle in my life because I wasn't sent away. 그 잡혀가면 보이보 간방에 꽉 차고 Actually, it was a miracle because in the prison where I was, it was very crowded. There's really no space for people. It's just people everywhere. But miraculously, someone from my childhood, a friend, someone from my school, had actually been transferred as one of the security officials for that that prison. So it was a, mir- a miracle. So I actually, when I was sent to that prison, it was very cold and I was very hungry and so I wasn't able to sleep, so I would be praying. And my prayer at that time was, God, please send me an angel to help us. And miraculously, that friend that I had last seen 15 years ago, out of all these people, she was in charge of me and my family. And so I had also had a dream at that time where I was with my sons and the house we were in, it split open and we were... We were lifted, we were raised to the sky, and I saw it on the land was the Tuman River. And so it was very uh, freeing. It was a dream like that. And then the next day, that friend had been transferred in to, to be in charge of my family. I just can never forget that dream. And actually, within a week, that friend helped me um, release my family and I from the prison. It's still a regret to me that, you know, although my friend was an official, they still don't have enough food to eat. So uh, I still remember her face. And we had received funding from our relatives in China, 5,000 Chinese yuan, to get to for our release. But the broker that brought the money took the whole amount. So it wasn't paid to my friend. And so I still have that regret. And I wish I could repay the debt. So my third third defection was in the same year. So you left for China for the last time, never again to go back to North Korea. Yes, that was my last time um, in North Korea. And, and before I had only gone as far as China, but then because they kept capturing me and sending me back to North Korea. So that time I decided I would leave for good and actually defect to South Korea because in prison I had heard that in South Korea they provide housing, they provide education for our children, things like that. So that's when I decided to come to South Korea. And so how long did it take from the Tumen River before you were in South Korea? It took a year. After I left North Korea, I spent about a year in China, still hiding from the police, living in the mountains. And then after that, I left and arrived in South Korea. I went from China to Laos and from Laos to Thailand and then to South Korea. From Thailand, I, I flew here. I received this the, from the U, UN. They, refugee status? Yes, uh-huh. I received refugee status and came to South Korea that way. Were your sons with you or were they still in China? My oldest son, actually, he, he tried to come to South Korea and was sent back to North Korea in 2004. And so he was sent to a political criminal prison and he's still there. Mm. Wow. 
my younger son and my daughter came with me, but my son immediately left for Canada. So he's in Canada right now. So do you ever get to go to Canada and see him? Oh, I haven't been able to visit him, but he's actually graduating from college this year um, in August. Yeah, but I haven't been able to visit. Are you able to get any word to your son that's in the labor camp in North Korea? Are you able to have any communication at all with him through intermediaries? Yeah, I don't know if whether he's alive or dead. There's no way to get in contact with him. Wow. When you think about the people of North Korea, what what is in your heart when you think about North Korea? My heart breaks for people in North Korea because they don't know anything about the government and just very I have this anger towards the the government and I don't understand why why our people have to suffer. Every time I eat some delicious food here, I think about my son and he's probably, although I don't know whether he's alive or not, but in prison he's probably eating some porridge or he barely has any food to eat. So that's the heart I have when I think about them. So in light of that, how do you pray for North Korea? So I, there's on, only one hope. God is our only hope and to really follow Christ or else there's really no possibility of reunification of North Korea and South Korea because there needs to be some kind of miracle because I grew up under the Kim Il-sung regime. I actually didn't experience Kim Jong-il. I was in North Korea until three years after Kim Il-sung passed away and I thought perhaps things will get better but things just has gotten worse and worse. So I only hope and I can only rely on God alone. So if you were advising Christians in other countries who are praying for North Korea, how would you encourage us to pray for the country? Please pray for all the North Koreans that are spread across the world that they would come to know Jesus, they would know know God, and to truly follow Him, so that and be trained and discipled, and be ready at the for the time of reunification. And once the Koreas are united, that we can go in and and do God's work and spread the gospel. And when that happens, I believe all all the problems in North Korea will be resolved. So please pray for that. Amen. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for helping us understand what life is like in North Korea and helping us to be able to pray more effectively for that country. Thank you. We've been talking today on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Mrs. Kim. She is a North Korean defector now serving Christ in South Korea. I hope that as you have listened, you've been inspired to pray for the people of North Korea. 
just having been in South Korea not long ago, meeting with North Korean defectors, it was almost overwhelming the level of suffering that goes on in that country. It seemed like every person we talked to had a story of a family member dying of starvation or being killed, executed by the government. So please, this week, pray for the nation of North Korea. One of the reasons we share these stories is to equip you to pray. And you can hear more interviews like this one when you visit vomradio.net. Dive into the archives of all of our past episodes of VOM Radio. Again, that web address is vomradio.net. I love hearing stories about how God cares for his people in some of the places that are most hostile to the gospel around the world. Next week, we're going to hear how God is drawing people to himself in the Islamic Republic of Iran. So please be back to hear that next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.